The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's try some burn off! Run right to the back of him! What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Hey, what up? This is Daytime Fireworks. I am your host, Zach Barry. We are out in the elements today. Leaves are falling. The weather is currently sitting at 75 here in Nashville. I've got my good buddy, David Brandt of the Associated Press. David, what is the thermostat saying in Phoenix today? Uh, it's not, it, it has gotten to the stage of fall. I use fall loosely, but uh, you, can, you can tell it's starting to cool off here. Like during the day, it's going to hit about 100 here today, but during the night, it cools off into like the low 70s. And so really, most of the day is pretty pleasant. But I, right now, it says 98. Okay. It's a dry 98, though, as they say. It is a dry 98 today. It, it is. It's, it's not bad. It, it really isn't. Like, it gets, you know, if you're just going to stand in the sun like a doofus for two straight hours, it gets hot. <laughs> but other, you know, otherwise, wear some sunglasses, put on a hat, you'll be fine. So we've got number seven, Kentucky, traveling to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium to take on number 14, Ole Miss. Um, no, no other reason to go anywhere else. Let's just start right here with, uh, you know, honestly, probably one of the games of the day. Um, 11 a.m. local kick, ESPN, 
that time slot, I know a lot of people hate it because they want the night game. They want to be out in the Grove all day and be nice and lubed up for the six o'clock kick. But uh, as you know, ESPN loves rolling right in from game day into a big game. So similar to what we had a year ago with Arkansas, that is what's going on this Saturday. Um, both teams had quite a, you know, just some snoozers last week. Kentucky skates by Northern Illinois. Ole Miss, you know, hits the snooze button, coasts to a win over Tulsa. Um, this is an interesting matchup. We were talking before we hit the record button. The line jumped from three and a half. It's now at six and a half, maybe seven, depending on the book you're looking at. Um, Ole Miss's way. So Kentucky is catching a touchdown. I I have some thoughts. I want to hear your take first, but I have some some interesting theories and a certain way to look at this one. Well, I first instinct is seven feels like a lot, but I say that and and I think that you're looking at kind of a phenomenon that that betters, you know, they like big big names, they trust certain brands. And it sounds weird in this case to say Ole Miss is a trusted brand, but I think Ole Miss is trusted more in this situation, particularly at home, than Kentucky is. I still think for some reason. And, and I, I think it's Weller just because Kentucky struggled for so many years. Uh, but people just don't trust Kentucky. And I, I think Ole Miss is pretty good. I would understand, you know, like you said, it started out around three points. That feels about right. But I, I just think it's a, a psychology thing. I, I think that people, it's hard to believe that Kentucky is a top 10 team, even though they've earned that absolutely. And Mark Stoops has done a great job. I, I just think it's hard for people to believe. And, and again, it's weird for Ole Miss to be the beneficiary in, in a situation like this, but they've been good for several years, uh, at least off and on. I mean, it hasn't been consistent every time, but Ole Miss has been a top 10 team at, at times over the past 10 years. And so I, I think that's what you're seeing. 12 game home winning streak for the rebels. Um, our good buddy, Nick Suss over the clearing ledger put out a tweet on Sunday Ole Miss has outscored their opponents during this 12-game win streak, 497 to 262. That's an average score of 41 to 22 at home. Um, so if you're going off of that metric, it should be an easy cover. But, I mean, I'm kind of getting a cover vibe for Kentucky. Um, my initial – somebody asked me for what my prediction was on on Saturday night, early Sunday morning. I can't remember. Um, I was thinking like a – like a 24-20 win for Ole Miss. Um, I, I see that uh, our good friends at ESPN, uh, the Pick Center, have got it 30.9 to 24 in favor of Ole Miss. Um, this is quite the interesting matchup, though, because you've got a team in Kentucky. You said they don't get a lot of respect. Some people are still throwing around the basketball school thing, and, you know, that really grinds Mark Stoops' gears. And probably for good reason, because he's built a consistent program there that they, they know it. They have their identity. They know who they are. And they've got a good quarterback in Will Levis, a uh, transfer from Penn State. They've got a couple of explosive guys um, at receiver. Uh, Tavian Robinson is really good. The uh, true freshman, Barry and Brown, who Ole Miss really wanted, has had a uh, really good start to his freshman campaign. 
And then on the other side, you've got Jackson Dart, who last week was his sixth start ever. Um, I know that this storyline and, and this narrative has just been beaten to death, but he's a 19-year-old guy that is still young. He's growing. He's learning as he, you know, gets acclimated to the offense. I don't think they've really cut him loose yet. I still think Kiffin, Charlie Weiss Jr., and that staff have got a lot of things up their sleeve for this game. They really haven't shown much. They really haven't had to because of how good the run game has been with Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins. And then Jackson Dart the last couple of weeks has run it well. How do you kind of see this one shaking out early? You know, this is going to be one of those where each team is going to get their scripted drive in the beginning of the game. Um, I have some thoughts on the Ole Miss defense and how good they've been this year. Now, last week, Tulsa, you know, popped them a little bit, but I, I kind of reserve the right to think Ole Miss was up 35-14, and they just put it in cruise control and just kind of sat back and, and chilled. Um, before that, though, the defense was just downright nasty. I'm interested to see how this matchup goes. Chris Rodriguez is back for Kentucky. Um, how rusty is he going to be in his first game action in 2022? Um, Ole Miss has got some key guys on defense that they need to get back. I think they're going to get J.J. Pegues back. Um, Kari Coleman is still a toss-up, but that front seven for Ole Miss has been pretty spicy, and I was um, talking with my good buddy Gray Hardison, who uh, was over there at Red Cup Rebellion, and we were kind of combing through the numbers, and you look at how Kentucky ran the ball in their games against non-con non-conference opponents this year and I mean it was average yards per carry was in like the 1.4 1.6 1.8 range and I mean that's not good um that's to me for a Kentucky fan should be concerning all right I found it here 1.9 yard per carry against Miami of Ohio 1.8 against Florida 2.9 against Youngstown State and 2.9 against Northern Illinois um Last year, before contact, it was 2.2, which is decent. Um, that's drastically fallen off this year. Chris Rodriguez could help alleviate that, but how do you see this one in the trenches shaking out on Saturday? Well, I think you hit it right. Chris Rodriguez better fix that, or it's probably going to be a long afternoon for, for Kentucky. I, I think you could be – you know, if you're Kentucky, you could be one dimensional and, and struggle in one area against a Northern Illinois or a Youngstown state, but it's just a lot harder to do against somebody like Ole Miss or, or really anybody in conference play. And, and so I, I think that you're right. It, it bodes very well for Ole Miss and just kind of getting back to the scores of last week's game. I think that's the, the hallmark of a good team, you know, Ole Miss, that score against Tulsa doesn't look great. Kentucky's score against Northern Illinois doesn't look great. But the thing that separates good teams is they still win those games. You survive in advance. I mean, you saw Georgia struggle. I don't know if struggle is the right word, but they didn't look amazing against Kent State. You're going to yeah. have one or two of those games every year. You've just got to win them. <laughs> just figure out yeah. a way to win and just move on. It happens every single year to just about every single team. There's there's very few teams that go, you know, 12 blowouts every year. And so well, it's, I, I, it's, I was going to say, and not to cut you off, but uh, a term that I've heard and I love it, Ty Hildenbrandt uh, over at the Solid Verbal, he talks about winning your clunkers. And good teams do that. 
your games where you just don't have your A game. It's a, it's a sleepy, you know, non-conference opponent, but you just get it done. And, you know, we talked last week about beating teams. You're supposed to beat the way you're supposed to beat them. They did that against Georgia Tech. This is a Tulsa team that's kind of, kind of spunky. Um, I think they returned damn near everybody on offense. They were really efficient throwing the football. And even with the starting quarterback going down, they brought in a guy that was super athletic. He could move around. And I think Ole Miss just played base the whole time. I looked at uh, Bill C's box score. I think Ole Miss on passing downs only blitzed one time. Yeah, they they just did what they had to do. Got out of there with a win. That's what good teams do. And so kind of getting back to the Kentucky Ole Miss matchup, it, it is impressive how similar these teams are in a lot of ways. I think that the one difference for right now is just that Ole Miss is running the ball so well. And like I've ta- told you before, I, I think that that travels. I know this game's at home, but I, I just think in these tough games, to be able to lead on that is is huge. And Kentucky getting Chris Rodriguez back, that may change the whole dynamic. But I, I just think yeah. if Kentucky goes in one-dimensional, uh, that bodes really, really well for Ole Miss. Looking at the numbers, Ole Miss, um, the far more lucrative team offensively, 488 total yards a game, pretty balanced, 207 passing, 280 on the ground. Um, Kentucky, 296 through the air, only 81.5 on the ground. Now, again, Rodriguez is back. We could certainly change that. Um, looking at the defense, though, Kentucky's only allowing 108 on the ground, and Ole Miss is allowing 119. So something's, you know, it's the classic something's got to give game where, you know, maybe both teams run it well, and it's a shootout. I don't think that's where this game is headed. I think it's going to be one or the other. Um, I like Ole Miss at home here, and I I do tend to lean on these types of games where – to me, I don't really know which way I feel initially. I look at, first and foremost, I look at the quarterback position. I think if you look at it, Levis probably has the edge there because of the experience. But then I also look at the coaching matchups. And I think Lane Kiffin has the has the edge against Mark Stoops. And this is the same defensive staff. Now, different, different personnel, different quarterback, different everything. But this is the same defensive staff that in year one of Lane Kiffin gave up over 400 yards of offense and 42 points on the road in that 2020 thriller in overtime. So um, really intrigued. And I think there's a, I guess you could say pressure. I think that's the right word. I mean, on the receiving group at Ole Miss, Jonathan Mingo is a guy that's battled injuries. He's had some bright spots, but you got to get more from him. You got to get more Jalen Robinson. You know, transfers in from UCF, big get for them. How's he going to be? You know, Michael Trigg, all everything tied in before he got hurt at USC. Now he's at Ole Miss, you know, did his thing against Central Arkansas, but Central Arkansas is not very good. How are they going to utilize him in the passing game over the middle of the field? You know, guys like Jordan Watkins. Um, I do think Malik Heath has been phenomenal for Ole Miss um, so far this year. He's been kind of that deep threat guy that can really catch the ball and get after it after you know yak yardage but they've got to find something else in that receiver room they've got a ton of talent but guys have just not put it together um i'm interested to see how kentucky defends Ole Miss because they know they have the run game are they going to stack the box and challenge jackson dart 
or are they going to try to just play straight up and see what happens? I mean, I know what I'd do. I would, you know, I don't know if stacking the box would be what I did, but you're definitely making Jackson Dart beat you downfield. I, I think that's, if you're Kentucky, that's what you do. You've, you've got, you know, Jackson Dart's high this season passing is 207 against Georgia Tech. Of course, you know, Ole Miss hasn't had to open it up. They've used different quarterbacks in all the games. So, I, you know, I don't know if that's totally indicative, kind of with same deal as Kentucky's run game without Chris Rodriguez. But, I mean, if, if I'm Kentucky, that's what I'm doing. I, I think at this point, you know, you know Ole Miss can run the ball. So you try to at least slow that down and make Jackson Dart beat you. That's what I do. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking Ole Miss, Kentucky, get into a little bit more of the minutiae on the defensive side and just kind of our overall thoughts and how we think this one shakes out. So hang tight. We'll hear from the sponsors, and we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta catfish to smash burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering. From weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild in South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, all that more, the best and brightest in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. Show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, Second Line Restaurant Iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoysia Fairways and large championship Bermuda Greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. And we are back here on Daytime Fireworks. Zach Ferry, David Brandt here with you. All right, David, I, we, we've gone through kind of the statistical look at it. We talked about kind of the high points of the quarterback battle, how things are going to shake out in the run game versus the front seven. Um, let's, just, let's just go ahead and get into it here with some uh, maybe some predictions, maybe some hot takes. Um, I want to get your thoughts on – I mentioned it earlier with – Kiffin and Weiss, they, they like to, at least Kiffin, you know, I've never covered Charlie Weiss Jr., but he was at FAU with Kiffin. I think that those two guys work hand in hand. They know how each other calls a game. We haven't seen a ton of stuff over the middle. 
We haven't seen a lot of screens. Um, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see the offensive game plan this weekend and how they attack this Kentucky defense because, I mean, this is a huge – I mean, really stating the obvious here, but just a huge opportunity for Ole Miss to kind of announce themselves to the nation as, you know, hey, last year wasn't a fluke. You know, Matt Corral is gone, but we are still here. Um, I think this is a golden opportunity for them, not only for how the schedule sets up and with how others are looking that are down the schedule. We'll get into that in the final segment. But how do you kind of see this one shaking out with the battle at quarterback and the, the experience versus the unexperienced, the talented versus the other talented crew? I mean, how do you kind of feel this one going on Saturday? I'm not too worried about Jackson Dart's inexperience. I, I, I mean, you know, like you said, he's got, what, six or seven career starts. Um, I think that's enough. I mean, you know, he's not a rookie anymore. I, I think he's got a little bit of experience. And I, I think, you know, what we talked about earlier being very vanilla against Tulsa defensively. I also think, you know, offensively, Ole Miss hasn't had to just open up the playbook a ton either. So I, I think both of those things bode well for Ole Miss. Um, whatever they've been planning <laughs> for, you know, you, when you give Lane Kiffin and, and Charlie Weiss Jr., a month or two to plan and, and do some things that I, I know they've had games, but they've had this circle that it, it's, you know, they've been able to take care of business. Um, I, I think you're going to see some things just, you know, I, I, I do think they lead on the run like they always have. Uh, but I, I think this is the game where you let Jackson dart a little more loose than you have these, these previous couple games. Yeah. I mean, I don't get it twisted. I mean, you've worked in the industry for, far longer than I have, but I've talked to coaches over the years. And I mean, look, I, I told people this, I think Ole Miss probably spent one to two days max preparing for Tulsa. The rest of the week was preparing for Kentucky. Um, and, and I don't think that's any disrespect to Tulsa. I think that's just, that's just what you, teams do. Especially yeah, yeah. Good teams. Yeah. I mean, the ramifications of this game, the, the you know the potential impact of this win and how big it is for your program to get to five and zero, really get off on a good start in SEC play, get the ball rolling, get that momentum going heading into some very winnable games now down the stretch. And I, I think, and and I know it's convenient to say this after a, an eight an eight point win over Tulsa, but I mean it's it's impossible. They're they're eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old guys. They're looking ahead to the big game. It's it's really hard to stay locked in mentally for four quarters against a team that is just overmatched. You're better than, um, and I mean, yeah, like that's. I, I mean, people talk about it all the time with look ahead spots, you know, in gambling, and I think it's a very real thing. But yeah, I mean, this one has been circled for quite a while. Ole Miss knows how big this game is. They the, the the stadium is sold out. I saw that announced earlier this morning. It's going to be a great atmosphere. The weather should be fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be Jackson Dart's seventh start, but he's played a lot of big games. He played quite a few at USC, and then now he's been the starter for a couple of weeks at Ole Miss. Um, and I do think there's some credence to he is the starter now. Kiffin announced last week, you know, Altmaier's the backup. They've got a plan for him. He's the backup guy. So Jackson Dart's no longer looking over his shoulder. He's no longer looking to the sideline praying that he's not being pulled for, you know, a bad throw or a bad read. Um, but I, I like Ole Miss in this spot. 
I think the crowd is going to play a factor. I think that Kentucky hasn't really been sharp all year. And I like the, the defense to show up here, kind of a la last year's game against Texas A&M, where the offense did just enough. They were efficient in spots that they needed to be. But I like the defense to really show and make some big plays, get Will Levis to the ground, maybe turn him over. Um, and, you know, like I said, they played zone the whole game against Tulsa. They're, they're not going to do that against Tulsa or against Kentucky, I should say. They're going to mix it up. They're going to play some man coverage. They're going to challenge those receivers from Kentucky. They're going to challenge the true freshman, Barry Brown, and get in his face and, and be aggressive. And I think that um, that front seven that's, that's been really, really good for Ole Miss thus far, I think they're going to have a day. And I like Ole Miss to uh, – I, I actually think they might cover here. Yeah, I was about kind of, to say we're talking we're talking each other into covering this. <laughs> yeah, and I mean when you look at it, I I understand why you would take Ole Miss in in this situation. You know, Kentucky, like you said, hasn't looked particularly sharp. They haven't. They had a nice win over Florida, but Florida at the time was probably a little bit overrated for how they played against Utah, and then you know kind of had that correction. Um, you know, but then again, Ole Miss really hasn't played anybody that amazing either. I think Troy was better than a lot of people thought, but Georgia Tech was obviously bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think a lot of it is how do both teams react to a really good team on the other side of the line? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like the factor when Gonzaga goes to the NCAA tournament and gets in that like that third round. You know, they haven't seen really, really good teams in like two months because yeah. of conference play you know they play whatever you play in non-conference competition you still got to go through the the west coast conferences it's kind of on a smaller scale like this you're seeing athletes you're seeing kind of a mirror image of yourself or at least close to it so how do you respond to that and and i think whoever takes less time to respond to that talent jump has probably got a good chance to win yeah and i mean i I do think that it's going to be played up all week by Kiffin and his staff of, hey, you know, people don't think you guys have it. You know, people thought last year was just the Matt Corral show. And, you know, they don't think you guys can hang with a basketball school. You know, I absolutely think the, the mental game is going to be played all week where, you know, hey, people don't think y'all are for real, um, even though they're favored. I mean, Yeah, I, you, gotta, I you, you play all kinds of mind games. You break out the rat poison, you know, because they're doing the yeah. same thing at Kentucky, you know number seven in the country, people still don't believe in you. You know, you're a touchdown underdog to Ole Miss. And I mean, you know, I, from Kentucky's perspective, you know, Ole Miss is good, but they're not Alabama. And like, you can't even give the number seven team, you know what I mean? I, I think, you know, there's a lot of mind games that are going to be going on. None of that obviously matters too much when the ball is snapped, but it'll be the the mind games, the all these, it's just kind of a fascinating chess match. Yeah, and I – again, I, I – and I don't know if this is a subconscious thing because I don't think the defense is getting enough credit, but I, I, I'm also very interested to see what Maurice Crum and Chris Partridge do on defense because I think they've really only played base for most of the year. They did some different things against Georgia Tech, but it, that game got out of hand so quickly they didn't have to really do much. Um I think they've been pleasantly surprised with guys like J.J. Pegues, Jared Ivey. Um, I, I do think 
Jamon Gordon, Isaiah Aiton have taken the next step after that, you know, first year from JUCO. And then the linebackers have been really good with Austin Keys coming off that injury. He's back. Uh, Troy Brown, the transfer from Central Michigan. And then I do think kind of the real storylines of this one is, is, is can Kari Coleman come back? Is he going to be able to go? Um, one thing we haven't touched on, um, we kind of buried the lead here, but going back to the offensive side, Zach Evans um, came out of the game against Tulsa. I think it's fine. I, I think he basically sat because it was 35-14. The game was in hand. I think they wanted to sit him down and let him rest up for this one. I think he's going to play on Saturday. I don't think it's going to be a, a bigger issue than that. I think he just got a little banged up. Um but you have to think Ole Miss has the edge on the ground, even with Chris Rodriguez coming back with Zach Evans, Quinchon Juckins, who looks to be possibly contending for SEC freshman of the year. Um, but whether or not the offensive line, they've been some shuffling around. Um, the running backs have kind of done it in spite of them, and, and they've been – decent to good run blocking pass blocking has been kind of their bugaboo but um I do think that this might be a game where Lane Kiffin you know he's gonna let Dart take his shots and he's he's gotten better the last couple weeks he hit one with Malik Heath he had a couple good throws Jordan Watkins had one in the bread basket and dropped it he's had a couple misses with Minko downfield but I do think this might be a game where they lean on that run game and try to shorten it up and just kind of grind Kentucky down and keep Levis off the field. But I like Ole Miss here, maybe 31-21. Um, I, I just think just too much run game, and I think the defense is just going to step up. Yeah, I mean, I, that that basically feels like it to me, too. And you talked about Zach Evans, and the one thing I really liked about Ole Miss's run game is that running back's a tough position. I mean, people get hurt. Like, that happens. So you've got to have a couple of them. And right now with Judkins – they have a couple of them. And so I think even if it's just Judkins, they'll be fine. Uh, it's not ideal, obviously. It's great to have that one-two punch. But I think that's the kind of consistency you need. I'm looking at their – they're both averaging over six yards per carry. It's pretty incredible. But um, – Yeah, yeah it's, I, it's – both are both are on pace to break a 1,000 yards already. Yeah, I mean, that's that's – you're talking – I mean, it's very, very early, but you're talking – Darren McFadden, Felix Jones type stuff. Um, you know, Auburn had a couple backfields that were kind of like that too. But anyway, I, I just think that the running game, that's one thing I've liked about it all year is just that yeah. it's not just one guy. You know, it's not like you're relying on a Derrick Henry type situation. You, you've got a couple options. So um, being at home is big. I, I think yeah, I think Ole Miss, again, I'd be more comfortable if the line was around like three or four, uh, but I understand why it's moving a little to the six, seven range. Yeah, I do like that Auburn comparison back when they had Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown. Yeah, that's that who was, I was thinking of. Yeah. That's probably the better cop. Um, just because, I mean, Darren McFadden was a unicorn. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I give it high praise. It's like compare, seeing a good college hitter and being like, wow, that reminds me of Ted Williams or something like that. But uh, yeah, maybe I, I was out over my skis a little bit. But yeah, maybe the, the Auburn comparison is a little better. All right, we're going to take our final break. Look ahead to the week 
uh, in the SEC week five. It's starting to get real. Um, and we'll kind of touch on a couple games from last week as the wind picks up here. It's uh, really howling. But uh, we'll take our final break when we come back a look at the SEC before we close up shop. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Podcast brought to you by Protection Unlimited Incorporated, the Mid-South's leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options and they're monitoring 24 7 365. You can reach them via phone at 901-754-6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Barry Home Team. You're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home. Call Stacy and Rick Barry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Barry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. Find more information at SaddleCreekTitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. Give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head. And PXG has nailed the fitted breathable my navy goes with pretty much anything so don't wait another second elevate your style game on and off the course with the pxg spring summer 2024 collection head over to pxg.com toc and use promo code toc for talk of champions at checkout to save 10 percent on all apparel that's pxg.com toc code toc for talk of champions to save 10 percent on apparel pxg a proud sponsor of the talk of champions podcast network it's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen light it up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan, and the best in Western style. 
Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. And we are back here, daytime fireworks, closing up this Tuesday show. All right. Unless, David, unless you have some some reservations here to talk about South Carolina State and South Carolina on Thursday. We'll move on from that one. Um, looking ahead to Saturday, 2.30 game, number two Alabama at number 20 Arkansas. I really think ESPN was really hoping the Hogs were going to pull that one out. They were going to send game day there in Fayetteville. I don't know the last time Fayetteville hosted game day. It's probably been since Mr. McFadden was there, but um, <laughs> this is an intriguing one. Um, and, and I'll hear your thoughts first, but I, I do have some, uh, some things to lay down here on, uh, on Alabama. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that for me, it's all about how Arkansas bounces back from that Texas A&M loss. Um, Arkansas is a pretty good team. They're at home. It's going to, that atmosphere is going to be crazy. I, I think this Alabama team is good, but maybe not quite as good as some of the teams in the past. I, I think there's a lot of reasons why Arkansas has a real shot here, but I, you know, that was a tough way to lose to Texas A&M. You lose some momentum. You start feeling sorry for yourself a little bit. And I know Alabama, you're, you're, you can snap out of it pretty quick, but I don't know. I, I like Alabama in this one. Yeah, it's, it was a tough one for the Hogs. Um, I, I did, the play calling was kind of funky there in the third and the fourth quarter. I thought Kendall Browles really stepped off the gas, and I think that really kind of threw him for a loop there. Just they got kind of got out of rhythm. And right. Jim, you, you know Jimbo loves to do the – Dan Mullen did it a lot, where it was you're coaching not to lose. Yes. Where you're just – He was just kind holding. of the king of that, right. You're, or you're trying not to get blown out. Like you're, yeah, you're, you're kind of, you're okay with a 28 to 20 loss. Yeah. Um, but, but like in that case, like they got the lead and they were just kind of, you know, white knuckling it, holding on. Right. And I was really shocked that Kendall Riles really just kind of let off the gas and they, it was weird. And then obviously the fumble, you know, KJ Jefferson looks like he's going in, they're going to go up 21, seven. They don't A&M runs it back. And that really changed the whole just feel of sure. that game. Yeah, that was that was a massive play. Um, this one though, like it's Alabama minus 17 and a half. I think the Hogs can keep it close. They played them tight last year. This Alabama team, though, they're four and they're number two in the country. They don't have that bona fide first round talent at the skill positions um that they've had over the last couple of years. I know Treshawn Holden is a guy that has really stepped up. Um, and then, you know, they kind of got that, that two-headed monster with Jameer Gibbs and, and Jace McClellan running the football. Bryce Young, as advertised, the Heisman winner, 
over a thousand yards already, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. KJ Jefferson, though, has been efficient as well. I think this is a game where Sam Pittman's absolutely going to try to shorten it, play keep away. I just think it's just too much, too much Bama, even on the road. Saban loves getting up for these road 230 games. Yeah. Playing I just, the villain. This is a really tough spot for Arkansas. I just think I, you know, I yeah. 17 and a half sounds like a lot, but man, I'd be really tempted to take Alabama on this one, even at even at that number. I just Alabama's coming off a stretch where their their last big game was Texas. They've just hammered UL Monroe and Vanderbilt back to back. And they're they've been waiting for a game like this. Whereas, you know, Arkansas is going to be, it's Alabama. They'll be pumped for the 230 game. But they had a big game, you know, a few days ago. It didn't go their way. I just, you know, I the it's just purely feel. I, I don't have, I mean, obviously I'm looking at the teams and the talent a little bit, but I this feels like a game where. Alabama just kind of comes out, takes control, and wins like 42 to 14 to me. Okay. All right. I yeah. Mean, that, may, that may be a little aggressive, but and that's not maybe, crazy. maybe 38, I mean, 38, 20, something like that. Yeah. If that were to happen, I mean, no one's calling you crazy to predict that because it's Alabama and, you know, they, they're, they're, they're the monster. I mean, they're the best program in the country. They have the best coach in the sports history. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I do think the psychological effect of losing that big emotional game against Texas A&M in Jerry World is going to play a toll here. All right, moving on. This is a big one. Three o'clock SEC Network, um, number 17, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Um, man, I, I really want to say this is a spot of bother for the Aggies. I'm kind of going with the X's and O's and just kind of going with what I know when the air raid is going against better athletes. I feel like this one is really just an ugly game. I kind of like A&M here to win a, a just really eke one out, like a 26 to 23 game. Um, I, I do think that, at home in Starkville with the Cowbells, Will Rogers, the guy that's going to break every record in the in the in the record book for Mississippi State with how much he throws the football. I mean, the guy's already got 189 attempts on the year. That's um, amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, but but again, like you just teams that have the better athletes, more team speed, know how to defend Mike Leach. They're going to bring three or four, and they're going to drop seven or eight. That's just what they're going to do, and they're going to just keep everything in front and make Will Rogers chuck it down the field 12, 13 times and put together drives. I, I do I, – I don't think this A&M team is very good, but I also don't think the Mississippi State is very good. And with all of that, with the just the gaudy numbers and the air raid and all of that, and it's at home, I think that A&M ekes this one out and – Again, I could just be just dead wrong here, but I think that they win this one by two or three. That I mean that that seems to be what Texas A&M does most of the time. So that I think that's a totally kind of like you were talking about with me with Alabama, Arkansas. That's a totally logical pick, but I'm going to go the opposite way. I, I just think that I think he's shown throughout his career, Mike Leach. There's a couple games each year, even if he doesn't have 
amazing. You know, I, I think this team is average as far as talent wise. Um, you're right that the air raid against superior athletes sometimes has trouble, but I, I just think there's a couple games a year where the air raid works and, you know, Leach kind of has it rolling. And yeah. I think this is going to be one of them. I, I think state is actually going to win, not, not in a blowout, but like win somewhat comfortably. Um, that's kind of my big upset. I see it like 30 to 21, something like that. And that's not crazy at all. I mean, state has had a, you know, really made a, a, a habit of really upending teams that are better than them. And, and right. You know, I just they, think there's a couple games a year with Mike Leach. He just has a track record. This just feels like one of those that you just look back at, at the end of the year. You're like, wow, <laughs> that, that one got away. Uh, and and you know, A&M has I, I made just, a habit of losing to e- either or or both Mississippi teams. Right, exactly. And I think, you know, that LSU game that, that State was in that game, you know, State was playing really well for a while that it kind of spiraled out of control. But I, I don't think that State is overly talented. I don't think – I just think there's going to be a, a couple games this year. And, and to be fair, they probably better win this game because then they've got Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama – uh, that's quite Oof. a murderer's row for the month Oof. of October. They, they host Arkansas, then they go to Kentucky, go to Alabama, and then yeah. they host Auburn, host Georgia. I mean, that's, a, that's a beast yeah. of a six-week period right there. Yeah, and Lord. then they get an ETSU, and then they've got, they're at Ole Miss. So the schedule is not – I mean, I knew that State had a tough schedule, but when you really look at it now that it's here, that's a, mm. that's a beast. And so I, I think yeah. that one of their best opportunities to get a win is going to be this Saturday. I think they're going to be up for it. I think, you know, they played pretty well against Bowling Green. I, you know, it was kind of like everybody else. It's a game they're supposed to win. But I, I just feel like State is good for one or two of these each year, and I think this is going to be one of them. Yeah. All right, I don't think we're going to talk too much about the Eagles of Eastern Washington at Florida on Sunday. I'm assuming that is because of the weather. Yeah, that um, just got moved with the hurricane. Um, I don't think we need to spend too much time on number one, Georgia at Missouri. I think that's just an absolute beat down. Um, and I honestly think that there's no reason Georgia, to think anything else. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia's going to throw them in a sleeping bag and beat them with a rake. I'll just say that. Right. I, um, it was, it was a, it was a rough enough game for Missouri and then Georgia kind of played eh, against Kent state and it's going to yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Georgia just got bored against Penn State. And then Missouri, I mean, good Lord. I, heart goes out to, I can't even remember his name, but the young man that was going in for the win and just fumbles it away. I, uh, right. Just terrible. Um, Missouri needed that. Oh, they did. Um, all right, but let's go to the Plains. LSU at Auburn. Typically a game of ranked opponents, tons of intrigue just pageantry all of that it's not it's weird to say because both of yeah that's one. a this is one of the weirdest lsu auburn matchups from that standpoint like yeah neither of these teams have much juice yeah it, it's bizarre um six o'clock kick man i oh i i just the line is eight and a half i mean auburn's getting eight and a half i really want to just hammer lsu but man, that Auburn Jesus is just staring at me. You know, it's it's the you know <laughs> over the altar, and the more you move across, you know, it, the eyes are following you. But 
uh, it's, Auburn has issues. Um, they don't know who their quarterback is. They're just a mess. And LSU may be finding themselves. I don't know. The win over Mississippi State was 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 big. I think they were dead to rights. I thought State was just going to run them out oh, of the I building. Oh, I did too. I watched that. Yeah, once that because it started out fourteen to nothing, didn't it? I think so. And, yeah, I think so. I was just like, oh. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> and then they fixed know, it in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This is weird, and, and I don't really know how big of a factor Tank Biz, Tank Bigsby, and Jarquel Hunter can be because they just don't have a quarterback. So. Right. I mean, because it's like anything if you made like, here's the deal with this. I think LSU is kind of meh this year. I I don't think they're great, but I think Auburn's like pretty bad. You know what I mean? Like, especially by their standards. And so I think LSU's the better team. Uh, I think they're playing much better. Like you said, I think the Mississippi State game was a big confidence booster for them. It's still not a great LSU team as far as their historical standards again, but you know, I I actually know their quarterback a little Jaden Daniels from his time at Arizona State. Yeah. Um, And and he's, he has flaws. He's not perfect, but he is dangerous and he can be, you know, he's good for a couple big plays a game. I think he's starting to get comfortable uh, at LSU again, it's it's not a perfect situation, but I I think that's a decent SEC team, and I don't think Auburn is very decent right now. So uh, I'll go LSU on that one, even at Auburn. Yeah, I, I, regardless of how you feel about him as a person, I think this is a game that Brian Kelly has game planned for. They will be able to win this one. Jay Daniels has been fine. He's he's kind of righted the ship. Um, and just LSU, just offensively, 487 yards a game, um, pretty balanced, 288 through the air, close to 200 on the ground. Um, Jane Daniels is the leading rusher for LSU. but Yeah, I mean, he does a ton. It is interesting. Like I said, that's one guy I know quite a bit about, you know, being out here. Like the Jaden Daniels experience at Arizona State left everybody – I mean, you kept waiting for him to, because he's really good. He can, but you you keep waiting for him to take that jump to be just an absolute force. And I just don't know if it's there. But even if he never gets to that point where he's like a truly elite quarterback, he's good and he's very dangerous and he'll make several plays a game. And so again, not perfect, but I, I think that makes LSU a solid football team that you got to watch out for. Yeah, I. I just think this is where the athletes are going to win. And just in the coaching matchup, I think Brian Kelly and that staff are going to have something ready for Auburn. And even if it's on the road at night in Jordan air, I just don't think Auburn's very good. And it, I've told people the last couple of weeks, I've told Ole Miss fans, if Ole Miss, if this is, if this is not the year that Ole Miss just handily just beats Auburn down, I don't know if it'll ever happen because I mean, this is, Right, this having is the year them to at do home, it they're just yeah, bad. absolutely. The, yeah, they're just not very good. Um, I mean, there's nothing at least you know that Penn State game just showed a lot to me. I mean, I I went into that game thinking that was going to be a pretty good game. Like if you told me Penn State was going to win, that wouldn't shock me. But to lose forty-one to twelve, and oh, I, I mean, it, and it looked every bit forty-one to twelve. <laughs> like I mean, it was there was there was no like, well, it was closer than it appeared. No, not really. Penn State yeah. was a lot better, and 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 Penn State's pretty good, but they're not world beaters by any stretch. And so, uh, like yeah. I said, I, I just think you know, and then you've got the whole coaching situation, and 
you know, with Harson. Oh, yeah. I, I just, it's, it's one of those, you know, every, it seems like in the SEC, there's always kind of one or two dumpster fires and Auburn, Auburn's not there yet. They are three and one, but they have that potential. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Georgia putting somebody in a sleeping bag and beating them with a rake. I mean, Penn state put Auburn in a sleeping bag and put them in the trunk of a car and then put it neutral and just nudged it off the side of a mountain. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that I was, was – Yeah, like I said, you know, the first, the beginning of that game, you're like, okay, and then all of a sudden Penn State started to build momentum, and it was just like, oh, this is yeah. – It got out of hand quick. Right. The game got Brutal. ugly. Um, all right, so that's it for the, uh, for the SEC slate. Um, we'll be back next week. More daytime fireworks recapping – uh, well, I guess we'll, we'll probably briefly I, touch on it because it's an SEC game. We'll talk on this Kentucky, but looking ahead to week six. But any final thoughts on week five? Well, not really on week five. I know they don't play, but I'm sure you're seeing a lot of orange these days around Nashville. Yeah. Um, now, I will say, I wouldn't say I don't have to eat a lot of crow because I never said he was bad, but Hidden Hooker is legit. Yeah, he's really good. Like, And, and this isn't like, I mean, he's throw, like, I know the big gaudy numbers of touchdowns and interceptions. I mean, he's stretching the field. I mean, he's throwing – this isn't a dink and dunk, you know, inflated, you know, numbers type thing. I mean, he is every bit of a Heisman contender in late September as we get into October. I know that everybody loves crowning September Heisman. You know, shout out to, to Kenny Trill Hill and, and all the others. <laughs> but, but no, nah, I mean, I, they, they got the – the monkey off their back last week against Florida, you know, losing 16 of 17 is rough. Um, I did, I, I, I did tell my friends here, I said, Hey, y'all are going to win, but Florida's going to cover. And man, chinny, chin, chin, Florida got it done. But <laughs> yeah, um, that was, that was quite a backdoor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, t- Tennessee's good though. I mean, I, I think there's Tennessee scary. is good. And I, and I think just generally speaking for the sec, I think the sec is better when Tennessee is at least good. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just so weird seeing them. It's, it's bizarre, you know, covering, cause you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, you all, you've already referred to me as like longtime sports writer, David Brandt, but uh, you know, back in, back in my younger years, uh, you know, Tennessee was, you know, they were one of the nation's elite. And it's amazing. Like a whole generation of people doesn't really know that about Tennessee because uh, they were just bad for so long. So I, I think it is good. They've, they've had some long suffering fans, including my cousin uh, in, in Nashville, Randy Bostick, shout out to him. I know he's happy with that, uh, the Florida win, but uh, yeah, I, I think the SEC is just a little better off when uh, the, the Vols are at least competitive. I mean, the atmosphere there is, is, oh, it's incredible. It's in, there's, it. right. There's no reason you go into that stadium. I mean, they've got as great a fans as any, you know, and it, it's fun sometimes to watch fan base, you know, the sad faces. I, I mean, how many gifts are there of sad Tennessee fans now that they've got a per yeah. capita? It's got to be close to the lead. And I still, the, the one that cracks me up is that one guy just standing there with the weird looking face. You know, which one I'm talking about? Oh, at the, at the Ole Miss game in 20. Yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic. He's yes. got the like, that. I'm already hammered green. Yeah, he's got the I'm 16 beers deep and I've been drinking since 9.30 <laughs> in the morning type thing going on. But yeah. that one kills me every time. It doesn't matter the situation. But I've, uh, I've, told again, people, I've told people I was there last year. That was the best live sporting event I've ever been to. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it, it had everything. I mean, the crowd was huge. You had the, the vitriol of they hate Lane Kiffin still. It was a great game. You had all the, the circus hoopla at the end. I mean, it was perfect. I mean, that was SEC football, like hashtag. It just means more like it was yes, great. That's, that's what you, that's why we do this. That's why you cover the games. It's like, it's like when Houston Nutt went back to Fayetteville and I'm walking off the field oh. kind of close to Houston Nutt and there was, was there, there was a fan. Yeah. There was a fan in the crowd in Fayetteville. And I just remember going at him just going, we hate your guts coach. We hate you. We hate you just over and over. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> you know what you? I mean? Just, just the pure passion. Were you in proximity to that game when someone tried to fight Chuck? Yes, I blogged about that. That's why it all yes. like looking that that's what all happened. I I know we've we got to tell the story now since we're yeah, out here. Yeah, we can do story so, time real quick. So basically, you know, after that game, if you remember, Ole Miss controlled most of that game, but it was it was tied at the end, and Ole Miss had to do an onside kick. Uh, Arkansas kind of came back at the end. They scored a late either field goal or touchdown. And then Ole Miss had to do an onside kick with about a minute left to, to seal the win. So it was close. Um, Arkansas, it was just like you said at Tennessee, Fayetteville was just buzzing with anger. You know what I mean? You could feel the, <laughs> the, the irritation from the fan base and just the anger, especially after the loss. So anyway, you know, game ends. And we've all seen the end of games, you know, where both teams kind of come off the sidelines. People are kind of milling around. And Chuck Roundsville was walking in front of me and an Arkansas staffer, I can't remember his name now, but they kind of, you know, they bump shoulders, you know, roughly bump shoulders against each other. And I don't think either of them meant to, but they bump shoulders against each other. Um, you know, and then they kind of look at each other. And I think some words were exchanged. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the, the Arkansas staffer kind of takes a swing at Chuck. And I, and I mean, the, you know, and he missed Chuck. Chuck's got like the Matrix movie moves back, you know, no, 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 no. But uh, the Arkansas staffer hits Chuck's hat off. Didn't hit Chuck, but hit his hat. His hat falls to the ground. And the first thing I think, I had never seen Chuck Roundsville without a hat. And I'm like, wow, Chuck's bald. I never do that. Uh, so that's one of the, <laughs> the weird things you think about. Um, so anyway, so anyway, I, I'm kind of standing there like, I can't believe this is happening. And a police officer runs up to the two, to, to Chuck and this Arkansas staffer, and she's about to arrest them both. And this is where Michael Ower, Chuck, Chuck owes Michael Ower for not spending well, at least getting a ticket, maybe spending a night in jail. I don't know. But I'm not saying Chuck deserved to spend a night in jail. I'm just saying, you know, you know how those situations go. Um, Michael Ower just looks at the Arkansas staffer and he goes, he's the one who started it. And the and the cop arrests the, the Arkansas person and me and Chuck walk <laughs> off the field. And you can and we're walking off the field. And I, I kind of to Chuck, I'm like, are you all right? And I, he was like, yeah, you could tell he was just like, oh, my gosh, that could have been really bad. You know what I mean? And it wasn't. And it ended up being hilarious. So we're talking about it years well, later. But, yeah. Well, Chuck, I, don't, I don't know the size of the staffer because I wasn't there. But Chuck's not a small guy. No, the, the staffer was a decent sized guy, too. I think he was okay. like worked on the video team. I mean, they they weren't giants or anything. But, yeah, they were both. You know, I don't, this was this was back. This was Chuck several years ago. So I think Chuck is lost a few lbs since then but yeah it was you know it wasn't a it, it would be a light heavyweight contest not a not a total heavyweight but a but a light heavyweight they were two decent sized guys 
But so uh, basically, anyway. what you're saying is Michael Orr had Chuck's blindside. He, oh, you're good. That's why you're the host of a podcast. That's <laughs> he had why you're covered. The host. He did have him covered, but I, I remember just standing. It was like I wish I had had a bag of popcorn. It was like a movie. You're watching. You're just like you know. And I've been friends with Chuck forever. I'm still friends with Chuck. I love him to death. And so anyway, after the game, I went up, you know, to the my computer and I blogged all about it. You know, like 600 words send it out and of course you know of course like for old miss fans chuck is now a hero and uh chuck walks up to me you know an hour or two after the game he's like did you write about that and i was like yeah i thought it was really you know i mean a guy got arrested <laughs> they're gonna people are gonna find out like it's not gonna you know what i mean this isn't gonna just be and he was like i can't believe you wrote about that i was like chuck you're a hero like every single old miss fan is like you know would is going to name their firstborn son after you now. And, and then he went back and looked at the comments. He was like, Oh, you're right. He was like, okay, good job writing about that. Um, but uh, so, so the takeaways from this are Chuck Roundsville is bald, no matter how much he wears a hat. And Michael Ower is, was the hero of the day for, uh, he just forever has people blindside. Right. That's right. That's right. It was very, and I, I got to give Michael credit because it was a quick, I, I don't even know if he meant to do it or not, but it was, it, he just goes, it wasn't him. It was him. And, you know, it was kind of crazy. So the cops was like, okay. Michael Man, has some juice just, out there on that field. Yeah. Just got to, hey, just now Chuck's just got to get that, get working on that, that Taco Bell KFC combo NIL and <laughs> we're off and running. Oh, it was, but that was, you know, those were the, those were the glory days of covering the SEC. That was an awesome night. So, oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so thanks, Chuck, for supplying a great story. Sorry I had to bring it up again, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's just too good of a story. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that, hey, that's the, the perfect end. I mean, just chef's kiss on that story. We're going to end daytime fireworks there. Uh, we'll be back next week. Like I said, we'll recap the game, look ahead to week six. But again, thanks to David for joining. Thanks to you for uh, tuning in. And of course, thanks to the sponsors for making it possible. We will be back next Tuesday. And uh, until then, we out. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.